Hello and welcome to Psychotherapy. I am your host, Jet Dunlap, and this is episode 102, The Hundreds. You're in the hundreds, folks, so congratulations for making it. Today's episode is about challenge. I speak to the idea of something that you have put off for a long time, something that you know you must address, someone that you know you need to talk to, and how something like that festers and builds inside of you and creates discomfort. And what the episode really is about is eliminating that, cleaning, cleansing yourself of that negative energy. So I think it's very valuable, and I think it could do you some good because I know it has for me. So without further ado, I bring you to episode 102, that rhymes, of Psychotherapy. Thanks for listening. Okay, do you hear that? That's my fan. Now my fan is off. My air conditioner is off. And I will slowly melt. And if you're listening to this right now in a cozy cabin where you're snuggled up next to some hot cocoa and your loved one, you're thinking, this guy is speaking to a season I'm not experiencing. What flawed radio slash podcasting. When I first started this show, I had a lot of advice from a lot of people who don't do podcasts, which is the case with most things. You get a lot of advice from people who don't do the thing you're trying to do. And uh, one of the pieces of advice, one of my favorites was, you don't ever want to tell anyone what time of year it is, what time of day it is, any of that stuff, because it'll throw them off. (laughs) As if someone will be listening to this and go, that advice about starting something new. Well, it just doesn't make sense for me. He's talking from July, and well, here I am in December. I won't fall for his sorcery. So, I promised myself I wouldn't talk too long about how hot it is. It's 100 degrees. And then the mercury, the mercury is rising, as they used to say, as we speak. But I have a topic, and I wanted to discuss it with you in the way we discuss things. I say some stuff, I wait for you to say some stuff, you don't, so I just proceed without you. Okay, here's the topic. Don't mistake weakness for kindness. Don't mistake weakness for kindness. You're probably hearing it wrong. You've heard before, Don't mistake kindness for weakness. But I reversed it there, and it's not just because of my dyslexia. Here's why I did that. Recently, and even further back than that, so a time period of no designation, I get in conversations that involve confrontation on a regular basis. Now, in this example, I'm not speaking to the actual confrontation. What I'm speaking to is people speaking to me about the interactions they have in their life where they avoid confrontation. Now, for those of you who are sitting at home right now, sitting in front of that fire, drinking that hot cocoa as I melt, like your marshmallows, you're trying to figure out what I mean by confrontation and why people are so fascinated when they speak to me about it. Well, I have a bit of a reputation that I've 
earned over the last amount of years, I'm not sure, but a while, where people who know me know that I am, I don't want to say not afraid of confrontation. It's not that. It's that I am very willing to interact in that world, whereas most people don't. So what I wanted to tell you folks, especially the Hakoko people, is that if you feel alone in this, don't. This is a part of being human. We don't like this, right? Usually confrontation occurs, or your idea of it, when you are speaking to someone who you see as an equal or a superior. I don't mean as a human. I mean this may be a person of authority, it may be a parent, someone you have some kind of relationship where they have some kind of power. No one likes it. The toughest guys I know have come to me with this same question. I've done podcasts on this. And it is one of those things that is worth coming back to. And if you haven't heard it from me before, this is uh, the first time for you because that's how that works. I remember when I was young and I was in grade school. And this wasn't confrontation, but it was something that I think is one of the closer or this is a cousin of that same experience. I'm sitting in class. It wasn't all the time because I wasn't the best student. But sometimes I had the answer to a question and I thought I should raise my hand and participate. But there was that voice in the back of your head that says you might be wrong. And then some goofball you hate says, well, teacher, the answer for that is, and he says, uh, a triangle, right? I was trying to think, isosceles? Isosceles triangle? Yeah. So that's the right answer. And you're like, ugh, I knew that. Why didn't I say anything? That is probably one of the earliest memories that I have of that experience. That desire of your blood is up, right? Because you feel it is a moment for you to speak. And then you hesitate. And right in that moment is where everything goes wrong. You put your hand down, or you don't even raise your hand, and this person gets the answer, and you feel somehow less than. Now, the reason you probably feel you shouldn't answer is A, you may have been wrong before, and that caused some kind of discomfort in you, humiliation, (laughs) disappointment, maybe the teacher made a comment, maybe the students made a comment. And so you said to yourself, I don't want that to happen. And because I don't want that to happen, I'm going to not risk answering this question wrong. But then you also don't get the question right. So this mechanism that goes into confrontation is, like anything else, will become the the gap between your ability to access it and its usefulness will widen if you don't use it. So if you don't use it, you lose it. So if you get out of the habit of it, you will be even more afraid than you were before. As you get older, this kind of stuff happens more often. If you're a boy and maybe a girl today, I don't know, I've never been a girl today. In school, you'll have someone who tries to pick on you or someone who gives you a hard time. And you'll have to make hard decisions as far as fight or flight. Now, in the world I grew up in, flight would put you in a certain category. So when I was in high school and I was messed with, I would get angry. But that didn't mean the bullies would stop, right? And I didn't call them bullies. And I don't like calling them bullies because that seems a little theatrical, right? I think of like Stephen King or something like that, where there's this <laughs> there's this guy who's bigger and 
These are just jerk idiots who like to mess with certain people, and usually there's this size differential. This one particular guy who messed with me all the time, I said it in another podcast in more detail, I won't go into it now, but he used to pick on me in a very specific way that was painful, and it was physically punch me, throw me up against the wall, and tear leg hair out of my legs. I had a lot of leg hair. And uh, eventually, I reciprocated, and in a way that really shocked him. It shouldn't be this way. I was talking to my mother about this today, not about this circumstance, but just in another rule where confrontation comes into play. It shouldn't be this way, but it is this way in my world, and I think most people's worlds. But once I heard him, he stopped, and then he had a level of respect for me. Now, ideally, and I'm not advocating violence here, right, because I can't. That would be stupid of me. (laughs) But uh, I'm not a pacifist. Here's what happens. When I was a kid, my mom, my mom is right. Like most moms, she is correct. I am incorrect. I'm sure, and maybe some of this has to do with sitcoms and theatrical influence in my actual memories, but my mom's conversation when I finally brought this to her attention, that I was having this situation at school, would have been, have you talked to someone at school about it, so a teacher, which they can do nothing, and have you tried to have a conversation with this guy? In this world, that doesn't work. Unfortunately, the only way to pacify this kind of person is through reciprocal aggression. Let's put it that way to make it more elegant. And that lesson informed other lessons. Now, at the time when this guy started messing with me and other people, um, I had started martial arts. And then by the time I started becoming much more confident physically, I was always, you know, a loud mouth in class. I didn't put up with this and haven't since, no matter what, no matter where. And it has been empowering. Now, you guys are hearing my voice. I never went to jail. I never destroyed anyone. I never did anything criminal. But I did get to a point where physically I was not intimidated. And to this day, I am not. What is sad, and maybe you don't have this, maybe you live in a utopia where it's all champagne, mimosas, and yachts, and uh, water polo. (laughs) That's where the horses are underwater. Um, But in the world I live, this happens all too often. I think it's a working class thing. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. It did happen when I was a manager, too, in the upper echelon kind of thing, vice presidents in the company, but it was more of a word thing. But recently, I was confronted by someone who was unreasonable, and they had done something in the past that was uh, disrespectful to Gina. Nothing severe, but it was just a situation where they had thought she had done something intentionally, but she hadn't. I'm staying vague on purpose. Not that the person listens, but that's not the point of the story. So this person confronted me the other day, and I had been running, which usually pacifies me, and they started airing their grievances uh, about me, and I got mad. (laughs) I, well, I stood my ground, and I displayed my um, baboon's ass. No, I physically presented myself in a way, this is a guy, where it was obvious that I was not going to put up with this. And I'm dancing around this, I know, but I'm really trying to not alienate the people in my audience who would be confused by this. 
nothing happened. There was no contact. But I became bigger in this situation and put the the confrontation to sleep. It has changed the dynamic in this relationship in a great way. This has happened with me in tons of situations. Every time I've ever had a sales job, this had to happen within the first two weeks. I'd tell one of my managers, I remember once telling Baskin, for you longtime listeners, you'll remember this, there was this guy, Tom, who hated me the minute I came in because I was getting people to laugh. Uh, That sounds flattering. I don't know exactly why he hated me, but he was gunning for me for day one. And uh, I knew it was going to happen. And he tried to call me out and I stood my ground. And then from then on in, he was good to me. Verbally, it happens. And most recently, in a situation that I think will be able to resonate with most people, but I'm telling you these examples to kind of give you a background on how it goes. In these situations today that are live, the ones that I'm actually talking to a person, the catharsis for me, being able to speak my mind, not hold myself back, is beneficial, extremely beneficial. Now, I should specify, because some of you who are listening are hotheads and insane and are the aggressor. In none of these situations am I the aggressor. So that's very important to know. I'm not starting any of this. I'm not backing down. You see the difference? So if my landlord came over to me and started barking at me when I lived at my old apartment and we never paid rent late or something like that, I would express frustration at that. But it wasn't like I was going over to people's houses and knocking the door. And this person who I used a stupid vague example of, I did not approach him. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not asking you to go out there and become this monster. (laughs) If you are that person, stop it. Because I'm actually encouraging people who are around you to stand up to you if you're a bully. But what I am saying is there's a time and a place to stand your ground. And that is this topic of not mistaking weakness for kindness. In my past, I would have, as a kid, when I would step down from something, when I would retreat, fight or flight, when I would fly, I would say, well, I did that because I wanted to be the bigger person. I did that because I would was following the Bible and I turned the other cheek. Sounds like butt cheek. Grow up, you sophomore jerk. I would make legitimate, intelligent arguments for why I made this decision, although I knew it was false. Even if I was convincing other people of it, I felt like I had made the wrong move. And that was what was important. In my heart, I knew I shrank. And sometimes, guys, it's even simple stuff. It's not as complicated or dramatic as what I've expressed. It's more in line with, I need a raise or I'll leave. I've done that plenty of times at my work. I can't keep doing this job for this amount of money. You haven't treated me right in this position at this job. You know, just work dynamic stuff. You have that desire and you swallow it every day and that's difficult. But the excuses come up. Oh, it's not the right time. This isn't my moment. Do I really deserve it? The first instinct is like you in class when I was using that example at the beginning, where you want to raise your hand, you know you have the right answer. And that first gut feeling is the right one. That's when you have to act. When you feel that, you must act. When I decided I was going to do stand-up comedy, Gina and I had agreed that I was just going to go to their watch. In the back of my mind, I knew I was going to go on stage. It was an open mic night. It was the same price to watch as it was to go up. Put my name in the hat. Let me give you the real detail, okay? We sit down, and we're watching comedy. I don't know. I mean, I knew I was going to do this. I go over to the guy where you write your name down, and you give him the ticket, and then he puts you in the bowl. He doesn't put you in the bowl. That'd be crazy. I'm too big for that, unless it's a really big bowl. It's not the point of this story. But uh, he puts your name in the dish. (laughs) 
bowls and dishes. <laughs> What's the difference between friends, right? And he picks your name. When I felt that I had to go up and give him my info, I did it immediately. And that is huge, guys. If you've been in an airplane when you jumped out with a parachute, hopefully. If not, you're not listening to me right now because you're dead. But if you've done anything that is frightening, you know you must act quickly. The more that you procrastinate, that fear grows and grows and grows. And then the initial energy that you had to overcome that fear has to grow to the proportion of that fear that is increased. And you may not be prepared for that. So I act when the emotion is high. I act when that tension builds before I even have much time to think about it. And there's great books on that. Malcolm Gladwell wrote one. There's tons of motivational books on this subject. But remember, I want you to be driven, not motivated. If you haven't heard that, go to the episode before this 100 and learn all about it. My point is that you have to do it when the energy is high. Okay. You're thinking to yourself right now, I'd like to confront Jet. I'd like to slap him in the face with my gloved hand because I don't know what his point is. I've used a lot of examples. I've used a lot of for instances to try and resonate with all of you because this just grows inside of you. Just like I said, when you know you want to do the action, but you hesitate, that grows in the moment. When you bury it, it's not buried. When I'm speaking to this, I am not talking about how you want to punch that guy in the nose who you hate for some stupid reason like a fantasy football league. This is not what I'm speaking to. I'm talking about a position where you have been victimized or you have an opinion that needs to be stated to your spouse or to your superior or to anyone, your kids. And every time you don't say it, you become frustrated. And what will happen too is that your interaction with these people will suffer. And then there'll be even more tension because you're thinking about this in the back of your head. And then you'll pat yourself on the back and say, it's because I'm the bigger man. I'm the bigger woman. I'm being mature. I'm talking about the ones where you know in your gut you have to do. Not the things where you actually are being the bigger person. Not in the things where it's a trivial confrontation. You know, you and your wife or husband are arguing and you want to have the last word. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that is right. You know you've worked at this company for 10 years. You know that there are people in your office who have been promoted over you. And you know your work is just as good or better. And it's time for you to speak. And you're tired of sitting back. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm trying to empower. I know that in life, everything that you know you must push against, you have to do. Or you will live with that regret. And that's a difficult thing to go through. And here is where it applies to an episode I did in the 90s. I think it was 98, not in the 1990s, but in the episodes in those numbers. Okay. (laughs) Over explanation a little bit, maybe. I told you that school is a terrible place that cranks out cogs in a machine that fuels the American military industrial complex. And, you know, don't quote me on that because I'm not even sure what that means. (laughs) But you know that I think school just cranks people out to be drones at a job and that uh, they don't actually educate you and they charge you a ton of money. And it's just so you can have this little receipt that tells other people who are hiring you who also have a little receipt who are trying to justify their little receipt that your receipt means that you can come in for the job. That's what college is. Okay. 
I told you that I was going back to school following my hypnosis certification and that uh, it's very difficult. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. I mean, not everything. My house didn't burn down. But um, it was very difficult and it shouldn't have been. So I finally told you that I had attended this specific upper division school, private school, a while ago. And I had left because at the time my tuition was being reimbursed by my company. And that ceased to happen. And so I decided to stop. It was just too expensive. It's like $1,500 a class. So they said to me, after I decided to come back and pay cash, no company is taking care of the bill this time, that what we were looking at, my wife and I, who was helping me with this, uh, was my classes. I had like seven upper division and then some electives, but I was almost done with my major. And we were like, great, perfect. But the last time I talked to you, I said that they had thrown that away and said, hey, your major track is gone. You haven't been here for long enough, and we're going to dismiss all your credits. And this puts me back in my academic career by seven months and will cost me somewhere around five grand more. And they just threw it out there like it's no big deal. And this frustrated me, to say the least. So it was a whole bad situation. Lots of money, lots more time, and harder classes. And we kind of said, okay, well, you know, what are we going to do? So I decided, no, I'm going to write a very strongly worded email because they just made a quick decision that changes my life in a big way. And I'm going to make them aware of that fact. So I said, listen, in the email, you told me this one thing, now you're telling me something else. That 30-second decision you made is going to cost me thousands of dollars more and seven more months. I cannot accept this. I want to know why this exception has not been made for me. In a time where COVID is going on and schools are not very popular, some people are reducing their tuition, there's not a lot of good press about colleges, you guys are going to deny me this situation just because you can? That doesn't feel right. And it was very long. I made my point. I expressed where I was coming from. I have an easier time doing these kind of confrontations in person because it's so spontaneous by me that I'm not even planning it usually. So that's that's way easier. But in this case, you have to write all that stuff out. Then I have to have my wife proof it because I don't want it to be like, blah, car, blah, car, pula, balabi. And they're like, what are these words? I don't know what this guy's saying. He's an idiot. That's me making fun of the fact that I can't spell. So we fire this off. And you know those emails where when you press it, you're like, oh, I hope that works out. A couple days later, and it was probably more than that because I think it was into a weekend. So like four days later, we get this email. And he says, sorry, there's nothing we can do, blah, blah, blah. Email after that, before I even have a chance to respond, he says, okay, you've been approved. Did you hear that victory, guys? That email saved me thousands of dollars and seven months of my life, which also saved me lots of money, but that's not even the point. That's seven months of my very precious life. Even if I decided in those seven months to just sit around and watch TV, that's my choice. It's not what I do, but my point is that that one email did it. And I talked to that gentleman today on the phone, the person who sent the email up, and he said, yeah, they were about to say no, but you know, I told them, I don't think this guy's going to give up. I put that in my email. Can you believe that? Now, that's an example that maybe is more tangible for you because it's not just ethereal. It's not just going home and putting your head on your pillow and knowing you weren't bullied. Now, remember, I wasn't putting any judgment in that. I wasn't saying you're also an idiot and I hate you and you people are the worst kind of people ever and I didn't talk trash about this person. I took care of it 
And then it was over. No more toxic feeling inside of me. And that is a huge thing. And that school victory is amazing and made me feel tremendous. And so I'm trying to teach that to you. I'm trying to make that something that you can find in yourself and understand that if you act while the emotion is high, you can get things done in a better way than you have in the past. Now, here's the other part of that. If it had not gone my way, if it doesn't go your way, you still left it out on the field. And you'll appreciate that. It is a life changer. It clears your heart. So as I've been doing in other episodes, I'm out of words. I don't want to muddy up that point because I think it was pretty powerful. Thank you so much for listening. You are gorgeous. You are incredible. Go out there and conquer your day, week, month. I am Jet Dunlap for Psychotherapy. Thank you so much for listening.